The Start On Demand. On demand. Hey, it's Brett. It's the Friday edition of the podcast for The Start, Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And on today's show, what is the strangest thing you've ever accidentally thrown away? There's a story of this family that had $1,000 football tickets. Had is the key word because their two-year-old decided to run them through the shredder. Whoops. The Couch Potatoes assemble to tell you what is new at the movies this weekend. Lady Gaga has some serious Oscar buzz, while Tom Hardy does not, at least not for his latest offering. Also, we gave away tickets for John Mellencamp this morning, and Mackling... Bless his heart, he thought he was just being funny, he was just trying to be funny, but he accidentally screwed up the contest, and it ended up being a hilarious moment, and we've posted that on our Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, so you can actually watch the video of that going down. Brian Bowman joins us to talk about the meth crisis, and what steps he thinks the city can take and are taking to deal with it. Nikki Reitmeyer is the host of the Global News podcast, This Is Why. She joins us to talk about the latest episode, which focuses on Trump supporters in Canada. Today, Friday, October 5th, is World Teachers Day. So we'll speak with the president of the World Teacher Society and a principal in the city of Winnipeg. And there's a cool event happening Saturday at Club Region Event Center, Oktoberfest. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb on 680 CJOB. Jeff Braun is here. Cameron Poitras is here. Kyle Milroy, producer Kyle in the master control. And Greg, I think you're better suited to answer this question here. <laughs> you or threw, ask this question. You threw away. <laughs> <laughs> this from Holiday, Utah. Ben and Jackie Belknap said they had been saving up cash to pay Ben's parents back for University of Utah football season tickets. They had $1,060 in an envelope ready to go when that envelope disappeared last weekend. Ben and Jackie started searching the house. Here's more from KSL TV in Salt Lake City. I am putting this in an envelope. I am labeling it Utah Utes, $1,060. And I'm going to put it right here so we don't forget it to take it up. But this past weekend, that envelope vanished. It turns out little Leo had found a new pastime. I'm out digging through the trash (laughs) and she hollers and says, I found it. She's holding this shredder and she says, I think the money (laughs) is in here. We started laughing. We were just baffled that this could happen. I cried for a minute. (laughs) You can't say we just laughed. A few tears and then a bunch of laughs. The evidence is still right there on the table. I know there's $700 bills. So I guess that kind of helps. And they might get it all back. It turns out there's a government department dedicated to mutilated cash. He said, bag it up, little Ziploc bags, mail it to D.C., and between one and two years, you'll get your money back. (laughs) You did that. (laughs) You shredded all that money. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) Good Lord. Uh, yeah, so we want to know what's the most valuable thing you have ever had your kids throw away by accident, or maybe you've thrown it away yourself. Jeff Braun? Uh, I haven't actually thrown anything valuable away, but the one thing I did toss in the garbage that I never should have tossed in the garbage was a hot ashtray and started my kitchen on fire once. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. You like the whole ash? 
<laughs> oh, I was just dumping out the extra butts, but one of them was sort of fresh and still warm. And about 10 minutes later, I was like, what is that smell? And it's like, oh, smoke's pouring out of the kitchen. That's no good. Pouring out of the kitchen. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was bad. Okay. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, I, I in the last year, I have started apparently throwing forks in the garbage because they keep yeah. losing forks. I've never done that in my life before, and I've lost, like, two in a year. So it must they must be going in the garbage. Yeah, we have two spoons left in our house, and I know that's exactly <laughs> what's happening. Well, like, in the restaurants, we, we had the, the garbage can lid with the great big giant magnets to save the cutlery oh, really? from going Serious? into the garbage. Oh, that's oh cool. yes. That's, that's a huge source of loss for, for a lot of restaurants. And that cutlery's not cheap. And I know each and every one of you have an Earl's glass in your kitchen somewhere. No. That you think no. I stole? Yes. I, don't I have think a, so. I have ever, a, ever? Have I never, ever maybe something ended up in my purse mm, from a restaurant that somebody Earl's else put in there? somewhere in your apartment, perhaps, no. Cam? I or, no, I, I don't think so. No, I've never, right. I've never taken a glass or a piece of cutlery ever in my life. No, nothing from Earl's. I have one from Montana's. Oh. It was shaped like, it was shaped like a boot. They're right over there. Yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't that one. <laughs> <laughs> Milroy, yeah. you ever throw anything away by uh, accident? I, luckily, I recovered it, but I threw out 100 bucks in an envelope once. Oh, my, God. My, yeah. my wife and my different uh, philosophy on where to put like birthday money she puts them back in the envelope and brings mm. it home and then i threw it all out i will never be so thankful that a dumpster was moderately full in my life because <laughs> i had to, i didn't have to go inside it but i had to get on top of the edge and look in oh my god and then you had to grab go the bag like yeah, you I pulled knew, the bag I out i knew what bag it was in thankfully it was buried under a little bit of stuff but if i if it had been an empty dumpster i would have had to get like inside the dumpster when i was working in jerusalem we did the story of this woman who bought her mom a new mattress and threw out the old mattress, and the mom no. like had been saving a million dollars inside the mattress. Like she had been stuffing her mattress over oh, twenty man. years. So then this woman was in. There's pictures of her in the dump, just like looking looking for every mattress you could find. And for weeks, it would be, it'd be you know when so we would be driving down the highway and you'd see someone moving with a mattress on top of their car, and you'd be like, follow that mattress. <laughs> like maybe that's the one. And. I, I just was looking now because we covered the story and then we kind of forgot about it. And I can't find a story where they recovered the mattress. Oh, and there's a story. There's this dude in England who's got a hard drive that he disposed of from his computer that has tens of millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin on it. And he's basically been living at the landfill for like months trying to find this hard drive oh with this God. Bitcoin on it. Oh, my word. I oh, that that uh, My heart sank a little yeah. bit when you just told that story. You said you had a story of a story that you did. I didn't realize it yeah, was. Yeah, no, it was four, four million shekels, so it was a million bucks. Like, Holy that, crap. I, I, yeah, I can't figure, and I don't know how the daughter didn't know that that's what her mom would have been doing or if the mom, there was a whole, there was a lot of, for years there was this real distrust of the banks, right? Sure. And what was going to happen to you as you were moved from country to country and all the rest, but oh, and then do you forgive your kid or your daughter after that? Like, that's a hard one. (laughs) She's just trying to do a nice thing, right? And then it just goes completely sideways. Well, that doesn't even come close to to the one that I did then. Maybe we should just leave it there. I don't think you can top that one. Oh, but let's try it. Well, okay. I moved in with... uh, (laughs) Um, um, a female friend years and years and years and years ago yeah, yeah. and uh, said friend bought a brand new uh, set of T-Fall uh, cookware and the box sat in the kitchen and sat and then a paper bag would go on top of it and then a garbage bag and before you knew it at the bottom of this pile was the T-Fall box and 
I threw it all in the garbage <laughs> only the next day to hear a scream in the morning. Where's my teeflow? Yeah, um, you mean it was still in the box? <laughs> Didn't you buy that about six weeks ago? That's she on her, no? Yeah. She sounded like Mrs. Doubtfire? Pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. And much like Kyle Milroy, I was fortunate enough to retrieve it from the uh, from the, from the the garbage oh, bin. You, what was it worth? About four or five hundred bucks oh worth God. of T-Fell uh, cookware. And our good friend Kevin the Garbage Man texted us in and said... Uh, a uh, customer lost some towels once in a big bin, called the company. They contacted me. It was from a complex of multiple bins. I remembered what bin it was, went to the dump, and dumped it off to the side. They picked through the load and found what they had lost. My goodness. That's service, man. We have another listener who said when her son was 18 months, she took a picture of him looking so innocent. And right after that, he took the camera from me and threw it in the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Kids. Mackley, McGarry, McNabb on 680 CJOB, and uh, Loren McNabb, you, before we move on, the Couch Potatoes are going to talk new movies here in a moment, and then Brian Bowman joins us at 7.45 to talk meth, but you enlisted the services of our friends over at Global TV, because we have cameras in studio uh, to record if we ever have a studio guest and they want to use it over at Global. It's always rolling, and you were able to pull what? Well, my good friend over there, Scotty Duarte, uh, I sent. I said, we at six fifteen. Can you please just grab the video of Brett introducing the contest for the Mellencamp tickets, which had a fill in the blank answer to it, to which Greg just answered before the phones could even ring. So I wanted to get the video out, and Brett's going to get that up on Instagram and Twitter if we can, because you need to see Brett's face. I mean, nothing says angry. Like the way he reacted to I thought Greg. Brett was gonna punch me right like in you, the nose. You couldn't hear that, but the pause there when you feel, when you answered the question and then Brett just like well, what? Are Bob, you kidding me? As oh. Bob Irving once taught me, illustration is better than explanation. Here's how it went down at six fifteen. John Mellencamp tickets up for grabs, nineteen ninety six. He sang I saw blank first. Who did he see first? You! The, the I saw you first! <laughs> you just, that's the answer. No, it's not! Greg, yes, it is! Greg. No! Oh, I'm so sorry. I was trying to be a smart Alec. <laughs> I didn't mean to run it! Okay, so instead, let's do caller number six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoops. So. Yeah, we're going to put that up on Instagram as soon as we can, as well as uh, Twitter and Facebook as well, so you can see it. It's pretty funny stuff. And I was not going to punch you. It was just kind <laughs> of a... Like oh. Agree to disagree. Jeff? Yeah, you looked like you were going to punch him. Thank well, you. I looked like it. Yeah, I always look mad, but I wasn't actually <laughs> as mad. I, it was as just I said, like, when oh. I first uh, not met you, but when we started working together, I think I said, is that always your face? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I have the resting bee face syndrome. Resting uh, Brett face. Yeah. <laughs> is, is it me or is that just the Brett face? <laughs> resting Brett face. Hang on, I just need to jot that down. That is a promo clip. So, <laughs> Jeff Braun, do you like uh, movies with lots of singing in it? It depends who's doing the singing. The one that's coming out this weekend, I'm very much looking forward to. Well, here it's a movie where Bradley Cooper <gasps> sings. This can't be good, can it? It's How could called, it not be good? It's A Star is Born. Let's have a listen. Maybe it's time to let the old ways down. Maybe it's time to let the old ways down. Takes a lot to change. Man, hell, it takes a 
love to try. So hate him. Dude is good looking. <laughs> yes. He's got great hair. Mm. He can act. He's, he's funny. He's the director. Yeah. He's he, the voice of Rocket Raccoon. He co-wrote it. Yeah, he's funny and a good dramatic actor. And now he can sing. Yep. And play the guitar. Yeah. At the same time. Get lost, Bradley <laughs> Cooper. Get lost. So a star is born. Uh, his co-star is Lady Gaga. Can I ask you a personal question? Okay. Tell me something, girl. Do you write songs or anything? I don't sing my own songs. Why? I just don't feel comfortable. Why wouldn't you feel comfortable? Almost every single person has told me they like the way I sounded, but that they didn't like the way I look. I think you're beautiful. So, Bron, this is a movie, this is the fourth version yeah. of this film. But the first one in our lifetime. Yeah, like 1937 was the first one, 1954 with Judy Garland and James Mason, 1976 with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. Right. What year were you born? 76, but I wasn't going to the movies as a, a newborn. Mm, Although, when I was born, my mom said a star is born. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, she didn't. Gonna throw no. Up. no, she didn't. <laughs> yeah, but to add to the authenticity of the, the fact that Cooper and Gaga performed together, they actually performed at Coachella and Glastonbury, where they shared the same stage as Chris Christopherson. Gaga's going to win an Oscar. Just watch. And he's going to get no- Cooper's going to get nominated for three and probably win the writing one. Really? Yeah, those are my predictions early. Yeah, there's all kinds of Oscar buzz about this film. It's got excellent reviews. Uh, as of about 4.51 this morning, it was at 93%. On Rotten Tomatoes. Originally, Clint Eastwood tried to get this made for years with Cooper still as the star, but Beyonce as the co-star. And then he suggested Cooper direct. Not sure how Gaga ended up in, but it looks like that was probably a good move because she is a pretty good actor and she's a great singer. And she also has that whole storyline, too, where it was like... She was told you're not you're not good looking enough for this, or you've got a great voice, but you don't you know your stage look is yeah, yeah. right. So she has that whole dynamic for sure. Yeah, and she's uh, had she's struggled with her weight a little bit, and she's taken all kinds of heat. You know, the odd time she comes out and she's put on a couple. Oh, of Oh, when she did the was it the Super Bowl and she had like a couple extra like two pounds more, like a body most of us would die for. And people, she's magnificent. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I like her. I a like star them. is born. You gonna go see it, Jeff? Absolutely. Uh, maybe not this weekend, but soon. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, one of the most popular characters in comic book history finally gets his own movie. It's Venom. If you're going to stay, you will only hurt bad people. The way I see it, we can do whatever we want. Do we have a deal? So Tom Hardy stars in this movie based on the Marvel Comics character. Did you read comics at all, Jeff? When you're, oh, I gotta turn your mic on. Uh, I, I didn't read these kind of comics at all. I like that he's doing another crazy voice. That's hard to understand. That's original for him. Tom Hardy, yeah. He, <laughs> uh, truth be told, when that movie was The Revenant, did any of you see that? The yeah. Revenant. That's a subtitles movie. I, yeah, I couldn't understand a word he said in that movie. Yeah. And then again in in Dunkirk when he was the pilot and he was so Bane and, in, and Batman. Yeah, yeah, he played Bane in The Dark Knight Rises. Right. Couldn't understand what he was saying. Couldn't understand what he was saying in Dunkirk because he had the, the 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 fighter jet mask on, and now he's got this weird accent. Anyway, Tom Hardy, uh, voice aside, Venom is a villain in the Spider-Man world in the comics. He's basically a big, scary version of Spider-Man. It's right. an alien symbiote that bonds with a guy named Eddie Brock. It's like this black goop. And it's alive, and it gives him powers and makes his face all gross. It gives him sharp teeth and a big tongue, and he eats people. And uh, 
People have been waiting for a movie for years, especially after. Did you like Spider-Man 3? No, I like part of it. And uh, the Venom part was cool. The Eddie Brock part was not. And most of that movie was garbage. Yeah, so they, they really blew it with that. Yeah. So there were high hopes for this, but it's getting terrible reviews. 29%, I think, for Venom. Ooh, that's low. No, sorry, now it's down to 28%. And the funny thing, too, is Lady Gaga fans apparently posted all <laughs> kinds of fake reviews on social media to say Venom is awful because they want people to go see A Star is Born. You know what, though? I sort of, marketing. I sort of feel like comic book nerd fans on the internet have that coming to them. Yeah. <laughs> so it seems fair. Yeah. You might be right. Yeah, it's too bad that it's uh, getting bad reviews. I was hoping to see that. But uh, so that, that's it. Two movies, A Star is Born and Venom. I think Venom, at, at first glance, should be the winner. But I, I predict that A Star is Born is going to take the weekend with all the positive buzz it's having and all the people are going to go see Bradley Cooper sing and and all the we'll be mad at him for being so yep. perfect yep but you're Set, still going to go he's setting a really high bar yeah there's like a bunch of couples we've decided we're all going to go see this movie together very very romantic outing <laughs> Macklin McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB and Loren We've been talking about it all week. Meth. Yeah, it's taxing our police, our paramedics, our hospitals, contributing to a staggering rise in calls for police and EMS. So the question we're asking today is what are we going to do about it? You heard from the health minister in the last hour that more help is coming, although it's not yet clear what that might look like or when that plan will roll out. But either way, it's clear action is needed. So throughout the day, we're asking some of the mayoral candidates what that action plan might look like. Ryan Bowman is in studio and joins us now. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. And as I said off air, thanks for doing uh, the the in depth analysis of this during the week. I think it's been uh, it's been really informative for for listeners and for the city. Well, it's been eye opening, I think, for all of us just to talk about how deep this problem goes and sort of the collateral damage it can have. Yeah. I know that this the answer, and we have heard from many people that there has to be a multi pronged approach, and we're going to say the federal government has to contribute and the province has to contribute. But at a city level, what yeah. do you think the city can do to start tackling this in the municipality? Well, we, we've begun. Um, you're right. There, all three levels of government have a role to play. I mean, the federal government has the dollars. The provincial government has the jurisdictional responsibility for health. But the city has a role to play as well. And, and maybe I'll start with what we've been doing to date. Um, for starters, as I announced in my State of the City address earlier this year, the Winnipeg Police Service is implementing an illicit drug strategy, which is focusing on three things. Uh, enforcement, so trying to lock up dealers from uh, from getting uh, meth in the hands of uh, of our kids and community members. Secondly, intervention. That's where uh, harms reduction and care comes in. And then thirdly, education. That's just getting into the schools and into the community, uh, trying to encourage people not to start using drugs in the first place. So that's the Winnipeg Police Service. And is that underway the, though, or, or we're yeah. okay? Yeah, it's underway and it's already uh, it's already showing results. They've had uh, bus that uh, I think they've uh, invited the media in for. Um, it's a dedicated unit, and so it's a, it's a much more focused uh, uh, effort than we've seen in the past. And, 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 and I fully support the Winnipeg Police Service's efforts, but it's not just a policing matter, as you know. I mean, police resources are being taxed to the max based on the number of calls that are 
that really— Does that mean we need more resources then for the police? Because we had them in this week even just mm-hmm. saying, look, we, we, we can't keep up with the number of calls. So the illicit drug force might be good, but are we talking maybe we need more officers, that we need another unit of other sorts? Jenny Mocklick said yesterday as the task force or uh, yeah. st- well, strat- strategize that way. Um, the police doesn't need a task force. The police needs to continue implementing the illicit drug strategy that's underway. I mean, action is better than uh, a task force when it comes to the police service. Now, there is a broader need, though, I mean, at, at getting at the root causes. I mean, while while Winnipeg continues and Manitoba has uh, a need for greater mental health and long-term addictions treatments, uh, we're not going to get at the root cause. And so we've seen a number of drugs over the years. I mean, meth is on another level, I mean, in terms of what it does to the to the body and, uh, and, and the, the implications in our community. But we have to have a greater focus and, and resources on, on long-term addictions. And that's why we took the step of supporting the Bruce Oak Memorial Recovery Center. You'll recall that was a pretty heated debate in, uh, in council. And we did that working in collaboration with the province. The province had made the request. We're going to work with the province to support their efforts to, to have greater treatment uh, options in the community. And so uh, that's important. In terms of the police service, I mean, we are, we are increasing the police budget every year. It's a much more sustainable increase. I think we can get, get um, those resources, though, being used more effectively. And that's why I'm the only candidate to want to end pensionable overtime in the police service and redirect that $1.5 million in savings every year into frontline police officers and to the services as and the operations as, uh, as designated by the, the Winnipeg Police Service. Have you talked to any other cities about what they're doing? Yeah, in fact, we've been, I've been working on this for years. Uh, it started with the uh, National Opioid Task Force that I'm a part of. This is a big city mayor's effort because this is not unique to Winnipeg. I mean, the meth crisis and opioid crisis is national. So is there and a city that's like Winnipeg or dealing with this that you, you know, wh- which mayor, for example, might have some ideas that we could learn from that's already gone through this as this wave rolls through? Well, I mean, other, other, what's most notable in other provinces is, uh, is, is their harms reduction strategy and the approach by the provinces. I mean, let's, let's be, uh, let's be open about that. I mean, they, they have safe consumption sites in, in Toronto and, and, and Vancouver and other cities um, I've, I've been uh, very public in saying we shouldn't rule anything out. Uh, if, it, if it comes to treatment, if it comes to reducing the amount of crime in our community, we shouldn't be putting uh, ideological uh, barriers to what we could do. So we need to continue to have uh, evidence and fact-based discussion, and we need to listen from the people who are on the front lines every day. I, yesterday I was in St. Boniface at Street Links. I, I'm, I, I've been doing this regularly where I meet with people who have uh, life experience with meth uh, to hear from them what what didn't work in the system and consistently what people are telling me is there needs to be greater mental health and addiction support and that's where the province comes in um, i led an effort at council we had unanimous consent from council calling on the province and the federal government to join us in a tri-level task force and so this takes it in addition to the the action that's happening right now with the winnipeg police service but recognizing it's also a health issue if we don't deal with the root causes uh, we're going to continue to, uh, to to chew up resources by the police who are the safety net at the end of the at the end of the line. Would you support then a safe injection site? I know you said you're open to all ideas, but say yeah. that came forward. Yes, that, that's I, the well, answer. You know what? Uh, I don't I don't want to rule anything out. And so uh, I'm saying let's let's sit down with the province. Let's sit down with the federal government and and the experts, and let's figure out what's going to actually work to reduce the harm that's happening to many of our citizens who suffer from addictions. And how do we do reduce crime by reducing the calls for service? We need to make sure the right agency responds at the right time. And uh, and that involves all three levels of government. And so 
I appreciate that the province is is studying and is 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 moving forward with the plan. We're going to support them. Um, we we need action now, though, and uh, we've been taking steps both at the national level and that mayor's task force. What we were effectively calling on is the federal government to create a national strategy on opioids and meth, and so. Uh, that work continues, and uh, and I'm going to continue to be a strong advocate at the national level, as well as locally, provincially, and doing what we can in the meantime at the city level to support those efforts. So, in the meantime, you said you need, and we only have about a minute left here, you said we need the, the province to step in, but... Is there a way to ensure that that can happen quickly? Because sometimes we see governments try to get together and there's, there's, they don't get along or whatever, and then things get caught up in red tape and all that stuff. Well, and that's why we took the step to support the Bruce Oak Memorial Recovery Center. It's a small piece. Uh, it's providing some, it will provide additional treatment, but it's not going to meet the, the demand that we have in the community. So that, that's one small step, the illicit drug strategy, making sure the police resources are there, working federally. All of these steps are happening uh, absent, uh, uh, you know, the, that real collaborative effort by all three levels of government. And so that ask is out to the provincial government and the federal government that we want to have our folks sit down in the same room and start start working collaboratively together on this. Surely ha- this is an we issue. We haven't done that yet. Like all three levels haven't sat in the same room. I mean, some might argue that we're moving way too slowly on this. Well, we need we need we need action. And that ask is currently out to the provincial and the federal governments. And uh, in the meantime, we're going to take the steps that we can on the ground in our community to help those that need help. Do you think they're taking too long? Absolutely. We need action. We needed action a long time ago, and we need we need more action sooner from, from all levels of government. Mackley McGarry McNabb on 680 CJOB. And before we introduce our next guest, uh, Loren just wanted to uh, get an update on the meth discussion. Well, of course, we've been talking about this all week. And today the question is going to the politicians and the mayoral candidates as to what they might do or could do or would do if elected. We just had uh, Brian Bowman on talking about uh, his strategy. And he also just raised the point that, you know, in his opinion, uh, officials are moving too slowly and that they're pushing for a trilateral meeting between all three levels of government, which apparently hasn't happened yet. And so the need to get everybody in the same room, we're going to pose that question to the province and the MPs in this area just to see, you know, should they all be talking together? Uh, Are they? What conversations have or have not taken place? And the conversation continues on 680 CJOB today. We had Brian Bowman on at 745. The police chief will join Jeff Courier at 10 o'clock. And then he'll speak with mayoral candidate Jenny Motkaluk at 10.30. And mayoral candidate Tim Dyack will be on with Hal Anderson Afternoons at 1.30. Global News has a wonderful podcast called This Is Why. And its host is Nikki Reitmeyer. She joins us now live on 680 CJOB. Nikki, good morning to you. Good morning, Triple M. Have you guys received any phone calls from Trump supporters yet this morning? Uh, Uh, Sort of. We get text messages from them constantly, (laughs) Nikki. We are always slanted. We are just a a mouthpiece for the left-leaning media in the United States. You know how it goes, Nikki. Oh, I'm very, very familiar with this. And I apologize because the amount of Trump supporters that you're about to hear from is about to increase substantially after this segment, I think. Tell us why. Why did you want to delve into this? Well, I find it so interesting because in Canada, Canadians, 
in theory, arguably so, have an interest in being opposed to Donald Trump because Donald Trump is so often in opposition or juxtaposed to what Canadian interests are. So why is there a group of people in Canada, not necessarily a small group either, and at the very least a vocal group of Canadians who are adamant Donald Trump supporters? And I think, you know, in the media, it's easy for us to, you know, brush them off, uh, Trump supporters. But I wanted to, you know, give them the time of day and say, well, what is it about Donald Trump that you guys like? You know, what is it that you guys find appealing about Donald Trump? And I asked them as well, and we'll hear that in this clip. You know, I said, do you find anything that Donald Trump says or does offensive? Listen to this. Yeah, in all honesty, I occasionally feel that he could dial it down a little bit. Well, obviously, there's some things that he's done personally that I wouldn't approve of. And I, if I was speaking to him, I'd say, come on, Trump, you can't do that or you can't. But, but a lot of other politicians out there. I, I see him as in, in, there's two people. There's Donald Trump, the businessman, and there's president of the United States. Yep, absolutely. I can definitely say that that's true. For me, I definitely separate Trump, the man, or the previous entertainer, or whatever he has done in previous jobs in life from his role, role now. He was elected to be president of the United States. And so far, since he's been in that job, his track record is pretty amazing. So they said, well, yeah, you know, I'd sit him down and I'd say, come on, buddy. You can't say the things that you're saying. But that's still not enough to turn them away from supporting Donald Trump. And I have to say, guys, and maybe this makes sense to you, too. One of the, the main conclusions that I came to is that some Canadians find Donald Trump appealing because he's basically the exact opposite of Justin Trudeau. You know, he's he's not your typical politician. He's a plain talker. He shoots relatively straight. He's not afraid to offend. He doesn't look great on an international stage, which is the opposite of Trudeau. Trudeau looks great internationally, kind of sucks nationally. And Trump, on the other hand, is very supportive of America, even if he doesn't perform well internationally. I think it was James Carville who coined the phrase, it's the economy, stupid. And, <laughs> and so in the United States, I do understand why people are sticking with their support for Donald Trump. Their economy is humming along. And when you have a job and you feel as though you're more prosperous, the likelihood of you switching your political allegiance is, is limited dramatically in my mind, Nikki. But here in Canada, Donald Trump, so many of the stands he's taken have been contrary to the health of the Canadian economy. And so if it is the economy stupid, why are there so many Canadians that are okay with Donald Trump taking aim at Canada and our economy? Well, I mean, we have 220,000 dairy farmers that are going, yeah, I agree with you. We saw what happened with the destruction of NAFTA and USMCA's being created, and that surely wasn't entirely in Canada's best interest. And, you know, that's something I ask these Trump supporters in this podcast as well is, you know, at times when Donald Trump is opposed to Canada's best interests, you know, how do you how do you rationalize that? Who do you choose? Do you choose Canada and a prime minister that you may not like? Or do you choose Donald Trump? And, and how do you where do you fall in that debate? And they, they didn't really have a great answer for me. They went, well, you know, I, I, I guess I'd choose Canada, but Trump has a right to defend his country. Or they'd go, well, you know, it's an interesting question, but. Lots so of I, buts. I hate. 
I lots of buts. I hate to do this to you guys, but I'd be curious to know what any Trump supporters listening to you right now think of that. How do they rationalize those two things? Because I couldn't get a straight answer out of the guys that I talked to. Yeah, that's a good question, and we'll hopefully get some text messages at 204-780-6868. We get a lot of feedback from Trump supporters and people who are anti-Trump. Someone's just sent an amusing meme regarding Trump (laughs) supporters. Um, But uh, you mentioned uh, the likability factor, and I think uh, you could even draw a comparison to Stephen Harper. I used to hear a lot of people say, well, you know what, I don't really like him, but he kind of gets things done, so I'm good with him. Yeah, and I think that's exactly it. You know, he well, he gets things done. He, you know, he puts his money where his mouth is. He's saying things. He's doing things. And I think that people like that idea of well, at least there's a politician doing something while they're in office. You know, with with Trump, I don't always necessarily believe that it's the right thing that he's doing. But I think that Trump supporters find his plain talk appealing. You know, he says he's going to do this. He says it in really simple language, and they find that easy to understand, and thus they like him. I think that they build a camaraderie with him and they build a camaraderie with each other too because trump despite how rich he is and how privileged he is he's an underdog in the general view of the world and i think that that builds a camaraderie amongst trump supporters hardens their resolve even more no matter where those trump supporters are south of the 49th parallel or north of it i'm always curious when i hear people you know he comes into conversation in so many households in canada every single day and with that conversation there's also the people that say i don't care like i want everyone to just stop talking about him but it seems the more trump talks the more conversation is generated from that and it doesn't have a lot often to do with the economies or trade or anything else it's just it's just anything he says seems to be fodder fuel if you will for people to be either angry or supporting him oh absolutely i mean there's points in my day when i hear the name donald trump and i go Oh, I don't want to hear about it. I don't know what he's done now, what stupid thing he's tweeted. I just don't care. I don't want to hear about it. I'm so sick of talking about Donald Trump. I think that Canadians have a right to be interested, though, when we're going through things like we were with the NAFTA negotiations. Because, like, we got a dog in that fight. We really had something at stake and something on the line. But, yeah, you're right, Lauren. I think when it comes to that, you know, the trivial stuff about what dumb thing Trump tweeted or who he's offended recently, we know it's disgusting. We find it offensive. But at this point, we've almost resigned ourselves to it and just go, oh, yeah, well, that's Trump being Trump again. All right, Nikki Reitmeyer, thank you so much for joining us once again this morning. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Coffee has arrived for our teachers on this world Teachers Day, Manitoba Teachers Society President Norm Gould and Principal of St. James Collegiate Lorelai Steffler joining us in studio. Welcome to you both. Happy World Teachers Day. Yeah, Indeed. thank you. Yeah, we if you're going to be thankful for something this weekend, I guess you could add that to the list too if you wanted to, right? Absolutely. It's a, it's a great, great day. day. So World Teachers Day, Norm, why is it special to you? Well, it's special because this is a day where uh, we're early in the school year, but it's a perfect time to celebrate the contributions of teachers and the effects that we have on uh, students and certainly in the future of this province and uh, overall nationally and internationally. It's a great, great day to celebrate the work of teachers. Lorelai, what are you? You're a principal now. I am. But you've worked your way through the system in terms of teaching at one point. And, and, and when you look back at your time when you first started out versus now, this might not be, it might be an unfair question a bit, but is it harder to be a teacher today than it was, say, 10, 15 years ago? I know we have all sorts of technology and tools, but all the other th- issues that we keep hearing about and mental health and all the rest, where would you put that? 
I think it's a very hard job. I think that there are more challenges with uh, what teachers have in their classrooms every day. And I think that the kids have different external stressors than they've ever had before. Um, it's still the greatest job in the world and, and it's, it's extremely satisfying, but it's, it is definitely different. I've been under the impression, I think we tout this when we ever we have this discussion, Brett, I know you and I have agreed wholeheartedly on this. McNabb, I don't know how you feel on it, but I feel as though kids are smarter now than they've ever been. They come to school with tools that we didn't have, and I'm not talking just about electronics. I'm talking about their ability to read and their ability to comprehend what they're reading. They seem to be more in touch with social issues than we ever were. Am I missing the mark on that, Lorelai? No, a lot of them have something in their hand on a regular basis that they can ask and get answers for in an immediate sense. So in that sense, they are smarter. I don't know if if it's a thinking generation so much because it's a it's an immediate gratification generation and they have instant answers, but sometimes that can cause problems. Yeah, the, analy- the analyzing, right? I worry about that a lot, a lot and I have two little boys and I said this before, you know, they'll say, mom, why is blah, 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 say the sky is blue. What do you think? And they'll say, Google it. And yeah. they're five and seven. And, you know, you worry about the ability right. to come to that conclusion on their own. Norm. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we have a problem solving generation. Maybe it is related to those uh, video games. Certainly there's an argument on the other side, too, is that if you fail, you just hit the reset. So we have a kind of a combination here is that you can reset whenever you want. And it's just uh, all starts over at the same time. Uh, the problem solving of, the, of these kids is fantastic. And I've been traveling the province over the last month meeting with my teachers and, you know, there's so gratifying and uh, to see the excitement in the classrooms and the kids and the connection between the students and the, their teachers. So, Lorelai, uh, there's an event happening today at, uh, oh, where is it? I had the details here. John Taylor Collegiate at uh, 1030. Mm-hmm. Now, last year you were involved in a discussion with about 20 of your high school students. So how did that discussion go? It was extremely um, exhilarating. Um, I was a side side person. Uh, it was actually facilitated by one of the amazing guidance counselors in my building, Janet Frolick, and she led the kids through a discussion about things that they feel make a great teacher and things that um, really stuck with them and, and that they feel um, encapsulates what a great teacher is to them over whether it was kindergarten all the way up to their current time in high school. And just sitting around the table and listening to the kids talk about um, probably the majority of the kids they spoke or majority of the the teachers they spoke about were working in my building and just down the hall. So it was exciting to hear how um, a kid relates to what a teacher means to them in their life and and what they do for them every single day and how they care for them. They're with the teachers with my child more than I'm with my child, mm-hmm. right, in the day. And so you want that relationship to be important. What What did you hear from the students? Like, what did they say in terms of what they think makes a good teacher? Um, just that they feel that they care about them, that they um, have take them places where they may, may not go or may not realize that they can go on their own, encouragement, um, exciting them about content. Um, but I think that the, the common denominator was definitely that they felt cared for and that they felt that there was passion in their teachers for what they were doing in their job every day. And then they were just happy to be a part of that and, uh, and, and really made it memorable for them to come to school every day. I know the relationships I had with teachers over the years. It was those, the teachers that stood out for me were the ones that, that paid attention to maybe to your gifts and help you celebrate those, but the ones that also recognized when you were struggling mm-hmm. a little bit and took you aside and cared enough to say, 
hey, I know you can do better than this. Like, what's going on? Is there something going on at home? And it made all the difference in the world. I think relationship is the key thing there. I think connections and making sure that the the students know that you're you're uh, you're their their cheerleaders on the sidelines all the time. That you will be there for them. And sometimes a lot of these kids don't have that in their home life. And sometimes the the most influential adult in their life sometimes is their teacher. So I think it's it's uh, it came really through or it came through loud and clear when the kids were talking about what their teachers meant to them. World Teachers Day. Manitoba Teacher Society President Norm Gould is here alongside Lorelai Steffler, Principal of St. James Collegiate. Lorelai, how long have you been a principal now? Uh, about 10 years. Oh, sorry, i got to turn your microphone on. <laughs> okay. uh, 10 years. About so 10 years. How much interaction do you get to have with the kids on a day-to-day basis? Ah, I get a lot of interaction uh, walking the halls, visiting classrooms, getting to see all the exciting things that are going on. So it's it's pretty awesome and it's pretty regular. Yeah, because I remember high school, whenever we saw the principal, the only time we saw our <laughs> principal was when something bad that was about true. to happen. And uh, and he, I think he actually said to me once, you know, I kind of miss interacting with you guys, but I'm so tied up in administration or dealing with disciplinary issues that I don't actually get to you know, be with the kids. So mm-hmm. it's good to hear that you get to see the kids from time to time. Absolutely. It's uh, it's always a busy job, but if you don't get out into the classrooms and see what's going on with the kids, then you're, you're, you're missing the best part of your day. So when I was in grade 12, I delivered a valedictorian uh, speech for a select group of people. Uh, my, my grades were not high enough <laughs> to be the valedictorian, but I had the best speech by 100 miles, and I, that, that's on Subtle the record now. There. Yes, I know. Well, you know, it's 30-plus <laughs> years ago, so I feel confident in uh, going on the record with that. But it was entitled Blame It on a Teacher, and it was tongue-in-cheek, and it was satire for the most part. And really the point was to somehow let teachers know, the teachers at Daniel Mac, that, hey, anything we do in our life, henceforth, it's all your fault, good, bad, or otherwise, but mostly for the good. Do teachers genuinely understand the, the positive influence that, that, that they have on their students? And what's it like when you see someone from, from years gone by that, that's doing incredible things in their life and they say, Thank, thanks for, for being there? I think that's the greatest compliment you can ever have as a teacher. And I think that teachers do realize how important their job is. Um, we want kids to always strive for personal best and reach the highest they can in their, in their time in the school system. But at the end of the day, I think we all want them to graduate as good human beings and go out into a democratic society in the best way possible that they can and contribute and have a successful and fulfilling life. You've been talking about what students says that makes a good teacher. Now for the teachers, Norm, you just right. said you finished traveling across the province as Manitoba Teacher Society president. As we watch sort of the restructuring of health care and all the rest, I know people are wondering what's next, if, what's next for education. Mm-hmm. So if there's one thing teachers are asking for right now that would make their job easier... Well, right now, overwhelmingly, is class size, you know, it's, uh, and the complexity of, uh, within the classroom itself is we have uh, intensive newcomers, uh, uh, English is an additional language, we have students that have uh, cognitive def- deficits, uh, uh, literacy and numeracy issues, uh, those sorts of things. So it's a very, very complex classroom, and we talked about it off-air, too, about some of the behavior issues that are evident in classrooms that uh, weren't necessarily there when we were kids, so it's very, very complex, and uh, teachers all across the province are saying this is, this is very common. As we're about five weeks into the school year, is class size and and, and the the needs of the students are, are far more uh, complex than they have been in the last number of years. 
All right. Well, I think that's about all the time we have. But thank you so much for joining us today. Once again, the event is happening at John Taylor Collegiate at 1030 to 1130. Are either of you going to be there? I'm, uh, I'm going to be there for sure. Absolutely. Okay. It's my alma mater, as a matter of fact. Oh, nice. really? How do you feel when you walk back in the halls of your... It's a little creepy when you see the graduation <laughs> photos up there. And I had a really good mullet going on back in 1984. You and me both, Norm. You know, and I, and I, I wish I had had a valedictorian speech, but I know I was not even in the hunt. And, Can and we please get you to send that photo to us? Can we no get that photo actually. of him with his mullet? And we'll, Come on, people want to see. No, Everyone. they don't. Everyone I don't know if 80s one. was kind. My wife does her. not want to see. My children do not want to see, and I'm sure no one else. <laughs> would like to see that. Yeah, I had the I'd poofy like bangs, we want so don't Laura worry about it. We want Lorelai's graduation. We'll do that. Yeah. I'll find that. I'll, I'll do that. that yeah. Oh, that she feathered it out? Ex- like you fanned it out, sprayed it, extra to stick net. it out in the sides? Mm-hmm. Well, you and me both. Let's we'll little, all post our high school photos. <laughs> <laughs> Norm Gould is the president Thanks of so the Manitoba Teacher Society. Lorelai Steffler, principal of St. James Collegiate on this World Teachers Day. Thank you for joining us, and thanks for doing what you do as teachers. McNabb on 680 CJOB and producer Kyle is playing this music because there's something happening tomorrow night at Club Region Event Center that sounds like a ton of fun Oktoberfest beer tasting festival and in studio with us we have Aaron Alblas, product ambassador for Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries Aaron good to visit with you again sir yeah thanks for having me so and do you know that song um, it sounds familiar, but I can't pinpoint maybe the band or, or I put, it is. put you right on the spot. Yeah. I don't think anyone can probably name no, that okay, song. Though. Is there a caveat on the tickets for Oktoberfest? No Lederhosen required, or must we be such adorned? Lederhosen, I have a note here, optional but encouraged. I like it. Um, <laughs> just on that topic, we can talk talk more about the event, which is tomorrow, October uh, 6th, well, you know what, 10 We'll get to the event in a sec yeah. uh, there, Aaron. Uh, we can run through those details. Sure. The reason why, one of the main reasons why we had you here yep. um, is because like I've been to, when I think of Oktoberfest, the first thing that comes to mind is being in my 20s, going to the convention center for the Oktoberfest that would run through the week. Mackling, you've probably been to that. I remember arriving at Oktoberfest, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like there was nothing really Oktoberfesty about that, other than there was a large congregation of people drinking excessively. So, actual Oktoberfest, what, like, how far back does this go? Do you know? Yeah. So, Oktoberfest started in 1810 in Munich, Germany, and it was actually a celebration of marriage between a prince and a princess. Uh, and it happened again the next year, and then the next year, and it grew and it grew and it grew, and. Uh, For any of you who know about Munich, it's kind of a a German brewing hub, right? There's a lot of beer consumed in Germany, but southern styles of beer in Munich, lager-based, really easy to drink. And uh, I believe the prince had some ties in a brewery, so if the celebration was going to keep going on, they were going to sell some beer. Um, It takes place the last two weeks of September uh, into the first weekend in October, still today in Munich. Um, and has broadened to a celebration culturally, like a folk fest of sorts, where they celebrate uh, Munich culture, food, history, bands. It's a two-week celebration? It's usually longer than two weeks. Wow. It's usually 14 to 16 days, um, which, uh, you know, the the notoriety and the popularity of Oktoberfest, and even in different events like uh, Brett, you and Greg were just talking about, um, still had the same elements of, of celebration and togetherness. 
Um, and you can see now Oktoberfest all across the world, even in Winnipeg, honoring that, that original tradition. Yeah, I mean, I know the Manitoba Brewers Association just had their event last week uh, called Prost, and a lot of the local breweries as well are making their own Oktoberfest-themed beer. I know Torx got one, Fort Gary has one, uh, which I actually just picked one of those up last night. Uh, but in this event in particular, has all kinds of German themes and styles. You mentioned that Lederhosen is encouraged. Where we won't even buy that. I'm sure there's places. <laughs> yeah, Amazon Prime for sure. Exactly. You could get it by tomorrow, for, exactly. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the festival itself, um, tomorrow at Club Regent, will have Oompa bands. Uh, one on stage and one that's kind of Is walking that what around. Called? Oompa Oompa Oompa, yeah, and I believe it has to. Don't quote me on this. It has to do with the sound uh, the between the tuba and yeah. the other instruments, right? And um, then start with that slow dance, right? And then it picks up. So, Is that what you were playing, producer Kyle, an Oompa Pa band? Yes. Is that what you Googled, Oompapa Band? I just Googled Oktoberfest. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. And so Oompapa Band? Oompapa Band. Um, there will be 45 di- booths with 135 different beer. Um, Oktoberfest kind of gets pigeonholed to this style of beer um, from Munich that's really easy to drink. Uh, it tends to be a bit maltier than most lagers. We've been uh, we've talked before on the show how lagers are easier and, and more refreshing. They're easier to drink, more refreshing than ales, but there's actually quite a few different Oktoberfest styles. So to see everyone kind of coming up with their own, um, it's basically an opportunity to come uh, celebrate Oktoberfest, but also try different beer and cider. Um, back to that whole, you know, tastes are evolving in Winnipeg when it comes to beer and other things. So it's a good opportunity to come, have some fun, um, try some things and learn some things. Those steins, you have a contest involving those, right? Like the, 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 how, how big are those things, first of all? Yeah, so a stein traditionally will be one liter. Um, and quite heavy glass. Yeah. So there will be some contests throughout the evening as well. One which I've been told is a Stein holding contest, kind of a uh, you hold it out, last man standing or last person standing. Like in each hand? I'm, I'm assuming. I'm not sure. It sounds really gnarly though. Okay. <laughs> it sounds pretty intense. You just enter um, that contest. My triceps are hurting. Wow. Just imagining yeah. that. You, you go in it. You get two free liters of beer. Is what yeah. that sounds like. Uh, and you walk away. Do you need to be the champion of that contest? You, know, you, you already see, won. You yeah. see, this is why McNabb's on the show. Yeah. That's she has shrewd. all the inside scams on everything. She knows. Inside scams. She knows. She knows. <laughs> she knows the angle on everything. I love it. Well, she sounded a little bit like a voice of reason there, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh. I think there's, there's just people who are quite competitive. But quickly, I also want to mention there are very, very, very few tickets left to this event tomorrow. If this sounds like something that you would like to attend, uh, you can go to Ticketmaster's website. You can also find more information on the liquormarts.ca website. Um, highly recommend if you are thinking of going, buy your ticket as soon as you can because it's going to sell out with within maybe an hour of this time. Will there be food? There will be some food. So included with your ticket, it's $40 ticket. Um, that includes all your samples um, as well as German-inspired bites. So these will be passed. Um, I mentioned the band, the contests. Um, the event is tomorrow from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. at Club Regent Casino Event Center. Um, other cool things after the festival, if you're into UFC, there's going to be drink specials at the casino and you can watch the Conor McGregor fight if you're into that too. I should also, on the subject of beer, before I forget, our friends down the hall at Power 97 just launched their Power Pale Ale That's right. yesterday at One Great City. They had their launch party and you can get a growler of it if you want for nine seventy five, mm. as per their spot how on the dial. Oh, I was trying to figure out how they came up with that pricing. Aaron, uh, we've just got a couple of minutes here. I understand uh, that you've got another event coming up in a few weeks called Cocktail Renaissance. 
Renaissance? Yeah, so Oktoberfest, it's the first year that this event has happened. It's really successful. Um, they're already looking at ways that they can expand it next year so more people can attend. But... Uh, something customers can expect um, and get more information on the Lookmar website. We have different kind of mini festivals happening outside of the, the three large ones that are traditional uh, that have been hosted before. So we have something called Cocktail Renaissance Festival. Um, it is a cocktail tasting. Um, cocktails and mixology are really on trend. And, and what's really cool about cocktails, there's lots of classic styles that involve, you know, bitters or lemon or, or, or simple syrup. Um, but no two bartenders make that cocktail the same. So it's a cool opportunity if you're into mixology, if you're into um, cocktails to come down. This one will be at the McPhillips Street Station on October 27th. Um, again, 7 to 10 p.m., uh, $50 a ticket. It's 60s themed. Okay. So it's kind of it's kind of nice that it's on October 27th. If you want to get dressed up, if you're sure. into, into that for even Almost Halloween. a Halloween type thing. Oh, a little bit, a little bit. By yeah. cocktail, you don't mean just my rum and coke, right? Like you're going yeah. a little fancier well, more than... That's a shot, that's I think, a, that's what you would call that. Yeah, Not mixing. a shooter. Hey, I mixed. That's shot. mixing. That's a, that's a cocktail. Thank you. Right, that's a okay. cocktail. Right. Um, when we think of, or when I say things like mixology, um, that's just involving like maybe more complex cocktails, which would be cool to come to this event and find inspiration yourself because um, all the work's done for you. That's what I was thinking. Right? You know, so many people just, you know, you'll have an event, you'll have people over, you know, even for Thanksgiving, you're not really sure someone comes and they want something and you have nothing different beyond the norm to offer, right? Well, and Wine cocktails, and yeah, I get that. And cocktails can sometimes be perceived as complicated, um, but I think it's a little bit about being shown how to how to use it. And definitely if you're hosting an event at home um, or maybe even a, a celebration like a wedding, having a, a signature cocktail uh, can really pique people's interest. Well, that's a great idea. So another cool event, uh, Cocktail Renaissance Festival, October do you, 27th. Do you, uh, I like drinks that have egg whites in them, like, mm. like a whiskey sour. With, uh, I'm they, shaking when they... my head on that. No? No. And it, well, it, it just adds like a... Like a little bit of froth to it. Mm. Froth and body. Um, disclaimer, if you are using an egg white in a cocktail, just be careful. It's a raw egg. But make sure you wash the shell quite vigorously, even if it's a store-bought egg. Yeah. Um, without getting into it, that's the part that touches the chicken, right? So uh, the shell is where any contamination would come from, so just be careful there. But uh, yeah, there's lots of classic cocktails you involving really egg. You really took the fun out of that egg. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I just had to... <laughs> I appreciate it. It's a good safety point. Yeah, yeah. Just food handler, of course. He's uh, I'm trained in food of, handler. Yeah, there you go. He's right at the front it. of the class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Aaron Alblas, thank you so much for stopping by to visit. Are you going to be there tomorrow in the Stein contest? I hope. I won't. I have my niece's birthday party. Oh, yeah. That so I'll let. Present. I'm just letting everyone else win. I guess out. I'm not sure. Sorry, that was oh. a little cocky. You could wear leader hosen to the, the niece's party and see how that goes over. They're in spirit it's, at least. It's rainbow way. unicorn themed. Maybe I will. I got to find some rainbow leader hosen. All right, Aaron Alblas. Product Ambassador for Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries again Oktoberfest tomorrow night at Club Regent Event Centre. 946 on 680 CJOB. Up next, Jeff Courier and Richard Cloutier are going to join us after we check your forecast on CJOB. Stand and sing and prose Oktoberfest is here. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.